Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode of Switchcraft is brought to you by Chris Becker. Support Switchcraft and my other content at patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. All right, everybody, we've got a lot to talk about today, so I'm going to jump right into the feedback. Razor Wire Shrine reviewed the show. They said, yes, this guy is intelligent, well-spoken, and I just listened to one show and subscribed. Well, thank you very much for the subscription and the review. If you want to help out the show, that's one of the best ways to do so, is just go on over to iTunes and give us a review. Uh, Garth also emailed, uh, and I'm not going to read the whole thing because it was actually pretty long, but I'm just going to sum it up. Um, he recently gave his uh, Game Boy from when he when he was a kid and played the original game um, Pokemon games on to his daughter. His daughter's three year old, and she recently finished her first level of a video game ever, uh, and that was Super Mario Land on the Game Boy. And he was wondering how did I introduce gaming to my kids. Uh, that's a really good question, and I'm certainly not going to say that my way is the best way. In fact, I'm going to say that I totally dropped the ball with one of my kids. My daughter does not care about games at all. I mean, that's fine. Not not everybody has to like the same things. Uh, but she did like them when she was a kid, and she just kind of grew out of them. And then my son, who absolutely... I mean, he's nine now, and he absolutely loves them. So one of the mistakes that I did with my daughter was uh, I had a GameCube and she wanted to play Wind Waker because it looked like a cartoon and it was awesome and I said sure you can play it um, but only if you only if you read all of the text and while she loved to read when she was a kid um, some of the what I didn't really think about is how wordy the um the the Zelda games used to be like it was nonstop verbal onslaught. Uh, they just had a a couple of books and they just threw them at you. It was nonstop words all the time. It felt like, and um you know she would when she was young she would she would have trouble with some of the words and so I'd have to sit there and read to her. Uh, and then so she would be reading and or or I would end up sitting next to her while she's playing and, and she I would read her the captions I guess uh but then she would hit the button and I'd be like well wait a second you missed that now we don't know what's happening in the game so one thing that I would say that is very very important especially with younger kids if you're trying to in- introduce a a kid to video games early try and do one that is not too talky this is something that uh my son also struggled with uh, when he was growing up, well, he, he's still growing up, but when he was younger, uh, he would just press the button as fast as he could to get past all of the dialogue. And then inevitably he would be like, what am I supposed to do now, dad? And I'm like, I don't know. I bought this game for you. I haven't played it yet. So I don't know what you're supposed to do next. Uh, it was like a kid's game and it's not really a game that I was interested in playing. Uh, so I hadn't played it before I let him play it. 
And so he would be asking me, what am I supposed to do? But I don't really understand the mechanics of the game. And so I'd try and ask him to explain the mechanics, and he was having trouble with it. So you want to make sure that you're buying a game that is appropriate for a, for a certain age. And I'm not just talking about uh, content. I'm talking about presentation. Uh, so whenever you're getting a game for a kid, make sure that the presentation is at their level. Something with lots and lots of words you're probably not going to want to give to a young kid. Um, so with that in mind, if I could go back in time and redo it, I would say that, uh, no, you can't play the new hotness. You've got to stick to the old stuff for now until you develop those gaming skills. One really important thing uh, is that you want games to have some consequence. So at least for me, the way I look at it, the old NES games were very difficult uh, compared to newer games. And if you start off a kid playing the newer games, if they go back to those older games, they're going to want to give up very quickly because the games were just too hard. Whereas if you start them with the older games, they'll understand that sometimes you lose and that's okay because you can always keep playing. You can always try again. And then when they get to the newer games, which are far more forgiving than the old games, they'll they'll already have that mindset of the keep trying and pushing forward. And, you know, it, it's funny. Oftentimes my son will play a game until it gets too hard and then he'll just be like, ah, I'm going to play something else. And I think that if I had introduced him to just NES games at first and then worked him up to Super NES games and then maybe N64 games and so on after that, I think that that would be a very different thing. That being said, this is a kid who it, it all takes the right game to come along because my son, he is currently, he's still playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Um, he doesn't play it often now, but he still plays it. And he has gotten through all four dungeons. So I found that really impressive at nine years old because that game is tough. And it, it sometimes you get thrown for a loop and you're not sure what to do. And being able to figure out what you're supposed to do is awesome. And, you know, a thing that I always thought was bad was guides. You know, I never wanted to use a guide for a game. I always wanted to be able to figure everything out on my own. And my son came up to me and he's like, Dad, can you get me a guide for Breath of the Wild? And I said, I said, no, you just need to figure it out on, on your own. And then I kind of thought about it later. I, I had gone for a run and I was on the, the, the dreadmill. And luckily enough, my, my, uh, I have Bluetooth headphones that I wear when I'm on the treadmill. And I had forgotten to charge them. So I went to put them in and they were dead. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm just going to be here with my own thoughts. And so I'm running on the treadmill um, and I'm thinking, do I want to get him that guide? Is that a bad thing to get him a guide? I mean, first off, if it's a guide, then he's a it's a book that he's asking for. I think I should probably pick it up for him. Uh, and it'll also teach him how to use nonfiction books, which is a thing that as a teacher I see all the time. My students have no idea how to use a nonfiction book. They don't know about indexes and stuff like that. So... I looked online, it was cheap enough, and I bought him a Breath of the Wild guide when it when it got here. Uh, we sat down together, and I looked at the guide with him. Uh, first off, the artwork in that book is beautiful. Um, 
but I'm not, I'm going to try not to get distracted here. And I, and I, I taught him, this is how you use a book like this. I showed him the index and the table of contents and the glossary and stuff like that. I don't remember if there's a glossary, uh, but I showed him that stuff and I said, all right, so where are you now? And he's like, well, I'm at this shrine. So we, we opened up the book together and we were looking up, well, how do I find the thing in that shrine? And I, then we found it and I, I, I taught him how to use that book. So just because you feel like it's very important to figure everything else, everything out on your own, doesn't mean that that's a good way for somebody who is newer to gaming to learn how to game. Uh, so that's just something else to keep in mind. And there's a siren going by. Hopefully that didn't get into the recording. Although if it didn't, now you're like, he's just making up stuff. Who? So who knows? Anyway, uh, Garth, I hope hopefully that made sense. For those of you listening, I would love to hear your thoughts on, on, on Garth's question on how to introduce kids to video games in a way to keep them from getting turned off by how difficult things are, um, but making sure that they still understand that it's okay to lose at a game because you can always try again. Uh, let me know. Just email us at runjumpstomp at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, let's go ahead and jump in with the news, of which there is lots. Well, excuse me, princess. All right, the Splatoon Direct has come and gone. Uh, we watched it at my, um, a few of the viewer, uh, listeners uh, showed up at the Twitch stream. I uh, hosted them, and then we had our conversation in, in my Twitch chat instead of instead of the Nintendo uh, Twitch chat, because Nintendo's Twitch chat is just way too many people there. Uh, and there, we've got a whole bunch of news about Splatoon. So let's start off with what I think is probably uh, the most important part of the the whole thing, and that is the online um, Splatnet is what they call it. So they call Splatnet 2, and this is from the press release. It says, when the Nintendo Switch online app launches for mobile devices on July 21st, so now we know the app is coming out the same day as the game, uh, players will also have access to Splatnet 2. This Splatoon 2-specific service helps players stay in touch with Inkopolis even when they are away from their Nintendo Switch systems. Splatnet 2 displays information like stage schedules, gear, and stats, and even lets users view their lifetime inkage, a feature that shows how much turf a player has inked compared to real-world places. The Nintendo Switch Online app allows users to invite other players to join private battles, league battles, Salmon Run, and Splatfest battles, as well as communicate with those players using voice chat. Uh, and then it says that data charges may comply and you got to have another uh, device. Okay. Well, let's talk about that right there, because that's the most important thing. Uh, so what we are looking at there, and I'm looking at one of the screenshots, uh, and you can see these screenshots at my website, runjumpstomp.com. Uh, first off, I feel like they showed us as little as they possibly could for uh, uh, about this app. There's so many more questions that we still have and we want to know about, but here's some of the good things. Uh, so first off, when you are um, inviting friends, so let's say that you decide that you're going to play a game, you can hit a button and invite friends. You can invite people from your social network. So you can invite Facebook friends, I'm assuming Twitter friends. These are things that are integrated into Nintendo Switch already. Like I can already post a tweet from uh, my Switch 
a, with a screenshot from my game. Um, that's something that's already there. So I'm sure that when they say social network friends, that's including Twitter, I'm sure it's including Facebook. I mean, Facebook is everywhere, so they, they, they would be silly to leave that out. Um, you can also invite Nintendo Switch friends. Okay, well, that's easy enough. But also you can invite users that you've played with. Now, when you are connected, it will automatically set you up with team-only voice chat. Again, we're not getting voice chat with random people. You're only getting voice chat with people that you invite. I still think that it would have been better for Nintendo to give the option to players, add a parental control to make it so that parents can decide whether or not uh, Junior is allowed to uh, chat with randos or only their friends. But one way or the other, this is what we're getting, so we might as well just deal with it. Um, the, uh, the, the thing that we're not getting is information about how does this app send the audio from the voice to you. So, for instance, I, I, as a human, I have two ears. Now, my, my headset plugged into my Switch, well, that is two things, one for each ear. And then my headset plugged into my phone, well, that's two headsets, one for each ear. Now, I would not want to have one in one ear and one in the other. That would be really too confusing. And it seems like the 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 solution that Hori gave us, which was this um, head headset that had a little mixer shaped like a squid, uh, where you could slide up the volume to the left or right. So you had a headset on, the wire comes out of the headset, goes into the mixer. Then the mixer uh, has a wire that comes out of the mixer and goes into your phone and one that goes into the switch. So you've got like three uh, wires all over the place. I think that that's a bad solution. I think it's, I think Hori is doing the only thing that they really can do since Nintendo isn't handling this themselves. Uh, but again, Nintendo, I was really expecting them to explain this is how you use the Nintendo um, voice app. And they didn't explain it at all. All they said was that you can invite friends and showed a couple of screenshots. And I think that was just really bad. Um, let's take a look at the other stuff from the... Uh, I'm not going to go through everything, by the way. And there's a link to the um, to the press release. Uh, and I'll try and remember to put a link into the uh, to the actual video, but you can just see the video if you go to twitch.tv slash Nintendo or youtube.com slash Nintendo. Um, but the uh, let, let me just talk about the things that I remember most. Okay, so first off, um, thing that was really cool is they showed off some new weapons. And of all of the weapons that they showed off, my favorite that I that I really got excited when I saw was the Splatbrella. Uh, the, Spr the Splatbrella is an umbrella, of course, and it behaves kind of like Reinhardt's shield in Overwatch. So you can pop that umbrella up and be out in front of your uh, team while they're shooting over your umbrella and you can kind of block and then you can even use the umbrella to dash forward and it has a cooldown. Uh, you can dash forward laying down a bunch of ink along the way and slamming into the enemy. And I think that that looks really cool. And basically, if you think about uh, Sean Connery in Ray, in um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when he's running along the beach and he's opening up 
the umbrella over and over to scare the birds. Um, that's exactly how I imagine that you're going to be using this because every time you open the umbrella, it flings a bunch of your color ink out in front of it. So I think that this is a really cool um, weapon. Now, there's other weapons. I'm not going to get into all of those. Uh, they also talked about some sub-weapons. Uh, one of the sub-weapons that I'm really excited about is the uh, auto bomb. So you let out the auto bomb, and it finds a nearby enemy and blows up. Uh, I'm sure that it has a range that it can go before so that people can get away from it. Um, but when I look at the oh, uh, oh wait hold on and then the um the specials that they, they said all of the specials in the game are new uh the special that i thought was really cool that excited me the most was probably the one where you can make it rain your ink color so it's like you throw a bomb up into the air <clears throat> sorry and um it starts raining down your ink color from a cloud what do these three things have in common they don't depend on accuracy <clears throat> Sorry about that. I tried. I hit the pause button and it didn't work. Uh, I'll try and remove that in post if I remember. Okay, so these three things don't depend on accuracy. Now, if you look at Overwatch, Overwatch has characters that are designed for different people. So if I want to play Symmetra, Symmetra is not about being the most accurate, um, you know, with the mouse as you can. She is not about twitching, uh, uh, twitch precision she is about using strategy and movement and positioning whereas you use Widowmaker she is all about being precise with your sniping skills and I think that because I think that's one of the reasons that Overwatch is so successful is because it has a way or it has characters that are for lack of a better word compatible with just about every style of gamer out there almost all Okay, and that means that people can identify with a character, even if they're not great at shooters, they can still contribute to their to their team and have a lot of fun. Splatoon doing this, uh, adding these these uh, abilities or these weapons that allow you to contribute without being really good at the uh, at the shooting part of it. I think that that can really improve uh, the staying power of the game and attract a lot more people to the game, which, to be fair, the game doesn't really need a whole lot more attraction to it. Like, people are pretty hyped for Splatoon 2. Um, I believe it sold, oh, I can't remember the number off the top of my head, and I don't want to quote it wrong, but it sold a very, very high number of games in Japan. Uh, Splatoon 2 is going to be, like, there are... There's Urban Legends, I don't know if it's true or not, about when a new Dragon Quest game comes out, like Japan stores uh, shut down, and I forgot to mute my uh, my phone, sorry about that. Uh, Japan stores shut down, or, or places shut down so that, that people can go out and buy them uh, and, and play them on that first day. They know that people aren't going to be around. It's almost like we should do that here in the U.S. with Super Bowl Sunday, because that should be like a holiday or just move the Super Bowl to a Saturday. But that's beside the point. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Splatoon is incredibly popular in Japan. And like they have, I was reading an, uh, a post on, I believe it was Reddit. And it was, they were, it was a person who, uh, who lives in Japan. And they were saying that their two kids, or he has two kids, or she, I'm not, I don't know. 
uh, and they tend to fight over the Splatoon stuff. And when I say the Splatoon stuff, Splatoon stuff, boy, say that five times fast. Um, what I'm talking about is they have like napkins and paper plates and paper bags to carry your lunch in over there. And it's all Splatoon themed and the kids will fight over which one gets which one. Um, that's how huge it is. Like they have Splatoon themed paper bags in Japan. It's a huge game. And I'm very, very excited for it. Now, uh, let's talk about something that I'm not excited for. And that is one of the features of the game is not always going to be available. And that is Salmon Run. Uh, so let me read you from the read to you from the PR. It says this new local and online multiplayer mode to Splatoon 2 finds up to four players working together to defeat bosses and collect power eggs in a limited amount of time. Each match in Salmon Run lasts for three waves, with players having to collect a select number of power eggs to advance each wave. Oh, and at least one player on the team has to stay alive. This last part might be tough since the stage is overrun by salmonid enemies and giant bosses, each with their own weaknesses. Salmon Run is a frantic multiplayer mode that can be played locally with friends at any time and is also available to play online at designated times, just like Splatfest. So what this means, and uh, there's a screenshot of this on my website again, uh, what this means is that if I sit down to play Splatoon 2 and me and three friends want to online, because, you know, I'm 40 years old. I cannot easily get together with my friends. We all have our own responsibilities. That's why online gaming is so important to us. Um, but if I want to sit down with three of my friends and play Salmon Run and it doesn't happen to be Salmon Run time, well, that means that we can't play that together. And maybe that's my favorite mode. I don't know. That would be really disappointing, and I think it's a big mistake for Nintendo to limit when we can play Salmon Run to the specific times that they say ahead of time. I think it's a big mistake. Um, they they did say it's just like Splatfest, so speaking of Splatfest, Splatfest is coming back. Uh, they said that we should be expecting um, regular updates to the game for the first year after it comes out with two years of Splatfests planned out. So they already have two years of Splatfests planned, which is pretty cool. And if you don't, if you didn't play the first one and you're not aware of what Splatfest is, basically they give you two choices. We'll say G.I. Joe or Transformers. And you have to pick one. So you pick one, and then uh, all of the people who are, well, then you go into a Splatfest match, and it'll take four people who picked Transformers and put them in, against four people that pick G.I. Joe and the G.I. Joe team wins or the Transformer team wins and whichever team either G.I. Joe or Transformer tends to win more games that's the the, the thing that wins the Splatfest it's not really consequential at all but it's very fun and my son would get very excited about it every time that Splatfest came up every single time he would run out because uh, the Wii had this cool feature, or the Wii U, I mean, it had this cool feature, still does, where the screen would turn on, it would show you like a little adver advertisement, basically, like a little picture, and he would see that in the living room, and he'd be like, Dad, Dad, there's a new Splatfest, this time it's, I don't know, Gummy Worms versus uh, Gummy Bears, and uh, I can't wait to do it, and it's on this weekend, and you know, and he would he would get really excited about that. That's really cool, 
And speaking of Splatfest, on June 15th from 3 to 7 p.m. Pacific time, all right, you can use a time zone calculator to figure that out. You can start the first uh, Splatfest downloading a free demo uh, from the Nintendo eShop. Uh, it should be ready today, by the way. Uh, you can download the the, the demo early, uh, but then from on July fifteenth, from three to seven p.m. Pacific, uh, you can play a Splatfest. This is before the game comes out, and the the Splatfest is cake or ice cream. I know which one I'm going to pick. I am curious what you guys are going to pick. If you're listening and you have your, your like your Twitter open, I just want you to to uh, tweet at me cake or ice cream. Let me know. Uh, anyway. So those are the big things that were revealed in uh, Splatoon 2. They did talk a little bit about, um, oh God, where did it go? I've lost it now. League battles. Um, They said that league battles allow players from a team, uh, no, to form a team with friends, and you fight alongside them and battle their way up to the top of the charts. There are two ways to join a battle in these four-on-four battles. Players can enlist one other friend to form a pair and be matched with another pair, or connect with three friends to form a four-squid team. Once teams are created, players compete in a ranked battle modes to aim for top ranking. This does not sound like it allows you to do uh, to to queue on your own. Uh, so you, I, I think that you have to queue with your buddies. Um, and then it says that uh, there are two hours to try and get as high in the ranking as you can. This sounds pretty cool. It doesn't say if it's just Turf War or Tower Mode, or maybe it's a mix of all of them. Who knows? Uh, But I think that um, League Battles seem like a really fun way to hang out with your friends. Uh, Anyway, there's a lot more to the Splatoon 2 announcement, but only on Splatoon 2. I've been talking for almost 18 minutes now, so I'm going to stop and let you guys uh, read the rest on your own because we've got other news to talk about today. All right, Blaster Master Zero is getting new characters. I really have to say Inti Creates is, they're impressing me with Blaster Master Zero. This is not the first time that we've gotten this new stuff. Now, I've been too distracted by many other games that I've been playing to get back to Blaster Master Zero, and I really want to, but... Right now, Zelda's eating up all my time yet again because of hard mode. Um, by the way, I, I, I've did, done a couple Zelda streams over the past few days. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, I've done a couple Zelda streams over the past few days. Uh, so if you want to go check those out, make sure you to check it out at twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. Uh, but Blaster Master Zero is getting, this is hilarious, Shovel Knight and Shantae. And these are not just skins. This is the thing about what they're doing with the game is they are they're bringing these characters in and taking into account how these characters played in their games and allowing you to play those characters in this different environment, but in the same way that you played those other characters. So it looks really cool. Definitely watch the video that I've linked in the show notes. It, it It's very exciting to me. And Indie Creates is one of those developers that I am really paying attention to now. They uh, seem like they're a fantastic dev, and I'm very impressed. So a question we've been asking Nintendo, well, we've really just been shouting at Nintendo and hoping that at some point they would deem it worthy for them to answer, 
is what is going on with Virtual Console. Now, I'm here to tell you we still don't have an answer, but uh, they had a Q&A session at the 77th Annual General Meeting of Shareholders, and uh, one question came, well, there were a, there was a bunch of questions, but question nine uh, was several Game Boy Advance titles have been released on Virtual Console for the Nintendo 3DS already, but you have you thought about making them available through retail? Uh, and then Satoshi uh, Yama, Yamato, sorry if I butchered his name, uh, he's a senior executive officer. He said, we have been thinking a lot about different ways to make use of virtual console titles and not just Game Boy Advance titles. Similar to these software titles we've made available on a variety of platforms over the internet. We consider Nintendo Classic Mini Super Famicom to be sold as Super uh, the, the Mini SNES uh, scheduled to be launched in the, in Japan this October and September overseas to be a type of virtual console. It would be possible to sell these titles as a package software or via download cards, but if we were to start selling products like this in the future, I think we would first have to consider whether we can establish that kind of business model and do our due diligence in finding out if there's a sufficient demand for it. Okay, well, Mr. Yamato, I am here to tell you that there is definitely sufficient demand for it, and selling... Um, what is basically the mini SNES. This is going back to last episode, the email that I received, well, two emails that I received that were talking about this. Um, selling what is on the SNES Classic in a cartridge or on your eShop would be a huge, huge move. It would sell like hotcakes. It would push switches out the door, not that they're really having any trouble getting people to buy them. They're just getting tr having trouble getting them into the stores to begin with. But I think it would be a, a very, very good move. And I'm glad that somebody at the shareholders meeting asked them that. Uh, and I like his answer. He, his answer, it's it's kind of a non-answer to be true. But it does say that we they have to consider whether or not they can establish that kind of business model. Like, they're selling this object for $80, what is the price to sell the, just a cartridge that has those games on it for? You know, they have to figure that out. And it has to be less than the actual thing. I've talked about this on the show before. It can't be this, It can't be $80 because you're not getting the collectible thing as well. Uh, anyway, I think that this is a, a, a good thing coming out of this. And I'm very, very excited to see what ends up happening with that. Introducing the next generation from Nintendo. Speaking of the Super Nintendo Classic, um, eBay has removed listings for the Super Nintendo Classic from its auction site. Uh, this comes from Eurogamer, and uh, I think that this is great. Uh, the quote here is that we will remove listings for pre-release items and accessories if the release date of the item is more than 30 days away. I think that this is awesome, and we really need to find a way to, to crack down on scalpers. And, uh, you know, kudos to eBay, because they could just sit there and do nothing and rake in a bunch of money, you know, because eBay gets a cut of every sale. So I think it's great that they're willing to take a bit of a loss in order to hold these scalpers a little bit at bay. Um, the system doesn't come out until uh, October or September yeah, October. It doesn't come out until October. No, no, it was September 29th. Now I remember 
Wow, good God. Uh, it doesn't come out until September 29th, and already the day that it, that, that it was announced, there were listings up there for like three, $400. It was ridiculous. Uh, so kudos to eBay for doing the right thing. Uh, let's just hope that Nintendo does the right thing and allows us to do pre-orders sometime soon. <laughs> now, Bandai Namco is doing something really cool and very exciting and that they are bringing Pac-Man... Well, first off, they're bringing Namco Museum to the Switch. We already knew about that. Uh, last week, I think, we found out that they were bringing Pac-Man Versus to Namco Museum, which, if you don't know, that's a four-player game. Uh, three players control the ghost. One player controls Pac-Man. And this is very cool. It has download play. Now, for those of you who'd never had a uh, DS, let me explain what that is. Basically, you have one cart. So one person buys the game, and then the other Switches can still play the game without having to buy it, as long as they connect to that, that first system. And the way that they're going to do this, the way that it was done in the past, was I would turn it on and it would send some files wirelessly from my DS to somebody else's DS and then we would play the game together. Um, But this is a completely different way. Uh, Basically, instead of me sending it to them, uh, they're going to be able to download a free app from the eShop in order to connect to my copy of uh, Namco Museum. Um, I think that this is fantastic. They could have said, no, you have to buy a whole bunch of them. You want to play four player, you got to buy four of them. Uh, but they're not doing that. They're being cool. And I'm really excited for Namco museum. Uh, I've talked about it before it Namco museum lived in my game boy. Uh, anytime that I didn't have something new to play, that's the game that went back in the game boy, either that or, um, Tetris, um, oh God, what was it? Oh, it was Tetris DS. So that was on the DS. So actually let me rephrase. Um, Tetris was always in the DS slot and Namco museum was always in the GBA slot and in my DS. Uh, anyway, are you guys excited for this? Uh, do you think that other games are going to be bringing uh, download play? Let me know what you think. That wasn't so bad. All right, everybody. There were some other stories that I was going to include, but we're running long, so I'm going to go ahead and cut those. I'll leave them in the show notes, so if you want, uh, just go ahead and check those out. Just open up the show notes and click on them. Uh, but anyway, that's all the time that I've got. If there was a story that I missed, let me know. Uh, you can email me at runjumpstomp at gmail.com. You can give us a phone call, 260-RUN-JUMP. That's 260-786-5867. Uh, you can talk to us over at Discord, runjumpstomp.com slash Discord. Head on over there. Um, the, the link wasn't working before. I fixed it since then. Uh, but head on over there, and we have all kinds of fun conversations, not even just about Nintendo, about gaming in general. And, of course, stop by the live stream sometime. That's twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. If you're looking for ways to support the show, uh, head on over to runjumpstomp.com slash support. You'll have links there for the Patreon. You'll have links there for my wife's Etsy shop. She makes Doc Socks and other Nintendo-themed fabric goodies. Um, And you can find, like, my Amazon link there. Anyway, we're out of here, everyone. You have a great day.